Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic yeah. books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. <laughs> Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like, I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> it get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes. Comic books, motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am joined tonight by two count them two of my fellow comic book enthusiasts so why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight by the rings of ragador it's mike hey this is justin and i'm a sorcerer over here <laughs> i'm a sorcerer over here <laughs> awesome awesome so if if you haven't figured out our theme for this evening, this is going to be sort of a theme show, a movie tie-in show, because as you're listening to this, we are hoping you are on your way to the theater to watch Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange, the feature film with Benedict Cumberbunch, you know, all that good stuff. So we, we hope you're on your way to watch it. It does look pretty cool. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. But we thought in anticipation and celebration of the marvel feature film we'd look at some doctor strange comic books so we're, we're kind of doing a little bit of the new and a little bit of the classic so in the first half we're going to be actually talking about the recent 2015 sort of as as i guess i've been referring to these series as of late the post secret wars 2015 doctor strange series and as of this recording, there's about 10 issues. There were two really major arcs that occurred. And I figure we're going to kind of, you know, ha ha give our thoughts on, on kind of what we think of the current state of Doctor Strange comics. And then in the back half, we wanted to go to an oldie but a goodie, which is going to be the Marvel graphic novel, Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom Triumph and Torment. But I guess before I go into the nitty-gritty, I, I feel like this is kind of probably the first time we've really gone into Doctor Strange in depth on this podcast at all, really. Like, do you guys want to give any, like, kind of thoughts or kind of, you know, let everybody know sort of how you how you were introduced to Doctor Strange, like, you know, even kind of what your take on the character is before we get into the nitty-gritty so people kind of know where we're, we're coming from with all this Doctor Strange goodness? Well, we haven't talked about Doctor Strange because Derek hates magic. That's true. That's very true. I, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, man, am I 
I, I, I when when I was reading like the the new comics and everything, I was sitting there thinking to myself, dude, am I the Imperator or what? Like I'm like totally <laughs> the Imperator. Yeah, I mean that, that is true. That is true. I do hate magic. So I and and I I would say for myself, I mean just so people know where I come from. I mean I do like Doctor Strange now. But I mean, I will say when I was young and, and possibly stupid, you know, when I was in my early comic collecting career, I think I would have pointed to Doctor Strange as, you know, one of the Marvel heroes that I thought was lame or something like that. You know, I, I probably wasn't too keen on Doctor Strange because I kind of thought of him as a guy who was given his own title out of some sense of maybe obligation or something, you know, like I felt like the only thing holding his title afloat would be you know, guest stars from time to time, because the only time I would ever really check out the the Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme volume, which I guess is what, like the the second volume or the, probably the third volume of Doctor Strange, I guess, it, you know, it, at the time, you know, it was the late 80s, early 90s. So anytime I would pick it up, it would either be because Ghost Rider was in it, because Wolverine was on the cover or Spider-Man or somebody, or, you know, more apt than not, because Silver Surfer was involved and there was a Infinity Gauntlet slash Infinity War slash Infinity Crusade type, you know, banner on the comic book. And then I felt obligated to pick it up if I was following that particular event. So I, I didn't really come to appreciate Doctor Strange, I think, much like I talk about, like, Vertigo comic books and stuff like that until maybe you know, after or during my my college years. And, and that's when I really think I, I got into kind of looking at all aspects of things Steve Ditko. So, of course, the Marvel Masterworks for Doctor Strange came up in that sort of endeavor. And that was where I first kind of really keyed in on, you know, appreciating the, you know, of course, the original Doctor Strange stuff from Strange Tales. And then I think because of that, like, I, I kind of went back to that Sorcerer Supreme series and found it in a lot of the, the bargain bins and stuff like that. And the early issues of that were actually drawn by Jackson or Butch Geis, who I was really familiar with from like all the, the triangle years of Superman, because he drew like action comics and stuff like that. And so I, I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, well, I, you know, I kind of get this. This is familiar to me and stuff. And, and I think by that point, you know, I, I sort of found the things that I enjoyed and keyed in on because there were cool issues of, say, like Acts of Vengeance, where the Enchantress showed up or the Demogoblin showed up to fight Doctor Strange. So like issues like that, it was kind of like, oh, here's something that I do like that is familiar to me and I'm trying to, you know, re-explore this character with new eyes and not be that, you know, 10 or 11 year old that was like, Dr. Strange is lame, you know, and try to sort of appreciate him on his own merits and stuff like that. And then I think I was successful because I, I think at this point, you know, when I heard the announcement of the, you know, Dr. Strange film, I thought, oh, great. You know, as far as the the old TV movie goes, like, I, I do think that's, you know, one of the better endeavors that they had for Marvel properties back in the 70s. So, I mean, I would definitely, you know, kind of hold that up as a shining example of one of the better, you know, 70s Marvel telefilms, you know, compared to most stuff, you know, like, so anyway, that that's kind of my quick two cents on it. But I mean, is there, is there stuff that you want to share as far as your earliest introductions to the character or kind of your your experience with the character no unlike derek i've always been a fan of like magic type thing you know i, I read a lot of like 
fantasy novels growing up and as i've seen on many shows like i'm a big fan of like the the horror comics marvel and dc put out in the 70s and see i, I didn't come across the lead ditko era until probably like i don't know high school maybe you know i was out of high school and like i read re reprints of those like when i think of dr strange i think of like the 70s era comic you know it's like steve Englehart and frank mm, mm. like that like that's my dr strange like i i, I really like that run of dr strange comic. that's that's all really great stuff i think i think a lot of that stuff that i ended up like visiting either in like you know sort of research or prep time like things like that like you know that that when i was doing like the history of comics on film on dr strange i think i i even delved further into Doctor Strange, like, beyond, I, I think, you know, when I was in college and stuff, I kind of probably stopped at the Marvel Masterworks, because maybe that's all I had access to. It's not like they, I mean, I know at some point they did put some of those Engelhart stories into trades and stuff like that, but I think maybe back then at the time, like, there wasn't as much stuff collected beyond that, and I don't know that I had the motivation or interest to to look at some of those other things but i mean i i remember kind of being like man this is you know like i guess having played like marvel versus capcom for years and maybe this is something that that mike can speak to as well but you know you you, you kind of you know i mean shuma Gorith was always like this kind of character you know <laughs> like that you played you know if you played marvel versus capcom or marvel versus capcom 2 you know but it was kind of cool to to go back and like look at sort of his involvement and origins in Doctor Strange and it, it was it was a totally different thing like he wasn't just this sort of little hentai monster that the Japanese like dug and he doesn't just leap around and like hump you and drain you of all your health bar you know like there's more to him than that you know so it was it was obviously for me it was cool to to go and check things like, like that out you know in in you know I guess in hindsight, but I, I totally agree with you. The the Engelhardt stuff is is really really good stuff. And and where you know you said you would usually only check out Doctor Strange if you know Wolverine or somebody was guest starring, but like I, I was the opposite. Like I would buy books when Doctor Strange would guest star. Like I I, I never really read a lot of the '90s Doctor Strange series, and then like after you know he he kind of like got a wacky you know '90s costume. I like I didn't like that. I'm like, which which '90s wacky costume? There were so many. Like, there was the one where he looked like like sort of like Spawn, even though I suppose you could point to the one from Roy Thomas's run that kind of looks like Spawn. But then there's the one from the '90s that was like sort of what was that post Rise of the Midnight Suns look yeah. or whatever it was, and like he's all black strange. and white. What do you call him? I call him Hippie Strange. He has like oh. long hair and glasses. Oh, oh there, there's the Hippie Strange one, too, yeah. But you remember the one that kind of looks like Nightwatch, too, where he's, like, all black and his face is totally shrouded and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's that one, too, that I consider, like, a 90s costume as well. So, like, there are all those different outfits and stuff that he had, so. And, like, I, I remember being excited when Doctor Strange showed up on the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Because, like, that, that's something my brother and I would watch a lot. And, you know, I was like, whoa, Doctor Strange is going to be on it. And my brother was, like, totally confused. He's like, uh, who's Doctor Strange? I was like, well, you're going to find out. I remember being excited because that happened. Then, you know, ultimately Toy Biz made a Doctor Strange yeah. figure for that Spider-Man cartoon toy line. And that was a really, I mean, for the time... Like, I was like, whoa, that, that looks like, you know, yeah, I was like, I, I didn't, I had that figure. yeah, I didn't expect to ever get, like, a, a Doctor Strange figure with the, 
you know, the cloak of levitation looking as cool as it did. I like how, like, the bottom of the cloak was, like, posable, so you could yeah. kind of, like, put, make him levitate, kind of. Like, it was, like, hard enough so he could stand by his cape alone. Yeah, it was It was a cool, I mean, for, for I, I feel like that was one of the earliest attempts, unless there was, like, you know, some kind of Mego Doctor Strange or something that I, I'm not remembering, but I feel like that was one of the earliest attempts to make Doctor Strange in an action figure form, and I thought it was really cool. Doctor Strange is also, like, the first Marvel Legends figure I ever got. Like, a, it was a birthday present. Like, I, I I had resisted buying Marvel Legends up till then because, like, I was buying, like, all this Transformers stuff and, like, all this Star Wars stuff, and I was like, you know, the, these figures look really cool, but, like, I just can't afford to, to spend money on some other toy line right now. This girl I was with at the time, she knew I liked Doctor Strange, so she got it for me as a birthday present. And then, then I just kind of like started the whole thing. That, you know, that started, opened the floodgates. Yeah, I was like, man, this, this like this is a really good Doctor Strange figure. Like this is cool. So I, I you know, from there I just started buying them like crazy. You know, it's kind of ironic because I I think technically that applies to me as well because, I mean, unless you count like some of those Spider-Man classics figures that I had bought before my Great Purge of of action figures and toy lines and everything like that, like. I was just buying DCUC and focusing on that, but then I was really wanting to do that whole, you know, Ditko Force thing, you know, that that little sort of action figure comic that I made, and and I was like, well, you know, I I need, you know, who who else other than Doctor Strange could I nab from Marvel, you know, other than Spider Man for for a Ditko Force comic? So it was like that was something I just. I thought, oh, this will just be a lark. This will be a gag. I'll buy this one Marvel Legend so I can make this one fun action figure comic, and that'll be it, you know. And and so I, I bought a loose Doctor Strange, you know, on eBay. So so kind of technically, I mean, that was that was one of my first earliest Marvel Legends as well. And like I, you know, I I followed the character through like his various solos. Like anytime there was like a Doctor Strange solo or you know a, a trade of a, a story I hadn't read, I would buy it. And I remember like grudgingly like having to read these you know bendis uh, new avengers issues just because like strength <laughs> was in it or like you know they were doing something back with him i was like oh man and like you know all that like bendis stuff with the illuminati and whatnot but like i've uh, some of the stuff like later on i've enjoyed like you know his appearances in the hickman's avengers and stuff like that like i i really like it but then it's like you know they kind of do some things with the character where I'm like, well, I don't think Doctor Strange would really do this. And then it's like, you know, maybe we'll get into this, but it's like post-Secret Wars, it's like none of that stuff has ever been referenced again. Well, I, I feel I feel like you could attribute a couple one-off lines to it maybe in this run. Like, but... I, I, but I, I see what you're saying. It's Ultimately, there, there are a lot of black stains on his soul after the Hickman run, but then... You know, after, you know, Secret Wars, conceivably, I suppose, you could say that's all that sort of, for the most part, swept under the rug, and he's got a clean slate, you know, to, to sort of go into his own series. Like, they don't want the new series to be bogged down with sort of that. It, 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 it's not intended to be a redemption series. The, you know, the, this new series, you know, since we're, we're starting to talk about it, we might as well you know, maybe go into it and I can read that little brief write-up, but it's not intended to be 
a redemption series in the same vein as like Hal Jordan as the Spectre. It's not meant to sort of call back to, you know, oh, this is when he did some not so cool things and he's trying to atone for it. This is, I'm Doctor Strange. I know about magic. Like, I'm going to get all these new readers to be all hip and, and hyped up about, you know, my movie. And, and, you know, hopefully if you like the movie, you'll come to this book and see something that's recognizable and familiar and it'll be really cool. Like, that, that seemed to me to be their approach to this series, as far as I can can see and stuff. But, Mike, did, did you have anything you wanted to share before we sort of get into the, the nitty-gritty about the ongoing Doctor Strange? I'll just say that, like, I've never really been a Doctor Strange fan, and I think, like, the first time I ever read him was in, like, that first Amazing Spider-Man annual, I think, where him and Spider-Man, like, team up and fight, what is it, like, Baron Zandu or something? I, for, I don't remember, but, like, I think that's the first time I ever heard of him, and then, yeah, he showed up on the 90s cartoon, and... Like, the, the only other time I've ever read him is in the larger, like, event or Avengers book or wherever else when he guest stars, basically. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm, as far as Doctor Strange goes, I'm kind of a novice. I do, you remind me now, I, I do remember, like, losing my shit when, like, Doctor Strange would have, like, a little cameo in the X-Men cartoon when he'd, like, sense, like, Dark Phoenix or, oh, like, yeah. something like that. Some of the major events, you'd just see, like, Doctor Strange, like turn around from like reading a book or something and be like yo dog i uh, sent something and you, and you mentioned you mentioned like yeah like marvel superheroes and stuff i was i was kind of like who the hell is shuma garath like like i didn't know who that was <laughs> yeah like, yeah I, well like it's funny like i i knew it was a doctor strange character but i had never like really sat down and like just did a whole you know character read of of all his appearances until i did that history of comics on film episode and that's where i was like holy shit like he was in conan and like you know and you kind of see how he's very much kind of you know inspired you know by the whole cthulhu thing and and all that kind of stuff so you're like oh yeah there you know and, and robert e howard you know and lovecraft kind of had a dialogue you know so you're like oh i get this like this all kind of you know, even though neither of them were writing that issue of Conan, you know, like it all it all sort of seemed to make sense to me where you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see why they, you know, why it would be somebody who, who would appear in Conan's world, but also would go on to fight, you know, Doctor Strange in, in sort of a magical world and stuff like that. Director Fury, the internet is besieged with lame, lifeless podcasts. What we need is a hard-charging, foul-mouthed band of brothers with chemistry, big brains on comics, and personality. Personality goes a long way. What we need is the Marvel Superheroes Podcast. I'm the Legal Machine. Diablo Frank. And I am Mr. Fix-It. The Marvel Superheroes have arrived! Nick, internet radio is saved! Get this motherfucking podcast off motherfucking iTunes. The Marvel Superheroes podcast can also be found on Shout Engine, Stitcher, the Internet Archive, and on Rolled Spine Podcasts blogs. Let, uh, let's let's start talking about the the ongoing Doctor Strange. So so this is you know of course like I said it's a post Secret Wars twenty fifteen series. Basically I I you know I, I'm not sure what everybody here has read, but I think what what we kind of decided where we were going to read what was currently out to this point, which is basically issues one through ten, and because of certain 
events that were going on in the Doctor Strange books. There's a couple of one-shots as well that we'll probably be able to bring up. But basically, the first issue was published in October of 2015, and the creative team, it is writer Jason Aaron, who I, I feel like I kind of have this like love-hate relationship with, depending on what character he tackles. And the cover artist is Chris Bacalo. And so I'm going to go ahead and just read the brief write-up for the first issue, and then we can actually kind of go into kind of what our thoughts on the series to date are and, and kind of, you know, what we took away from it and everything. Who do you call when things are coming out of your dreams and trying to kill you? Or when your daughter is cursing in Latin and walking like a spider? Or when your dog keeps screaming at you to strangle your neighbors? Doctor Strange, of course. He's the only person standing between us and the forces of darkness. But has he been paying his tab? Every act of magic has a cost, and Jason Aaron and Chris Bacalo are going to put Stephen Strange through hell to even the scales. So that is the kind of brief, you know, nitty-gritty, high-level overview write-up of Doctor Strange. And, of course... There are, it seems like it kind of breaks down into two arcs, basically. It seems like the introductory arc is like the first five issues. And then starting with issue six, there's this, you know, another basically trade paperback or big storyline comes up, which is referred to as the last days of magic. And that's when that begins. And it kind of kicks off like the, the main story, I guess, that is set up in the first five issues. And there's a couple one-shots that tie into that, which is Doctor Strange, The Last Days of Magic one-shot. And then there's also, and I didn't realize this until today, but I know I sent you guys out a message about it in case you wanted to read it or maybe had already read it and you know weren't sure if it tied in or not. But also, there's also a the Deadpool Last Days of Magic one-shot, which is kind of a tie-in to the whole events in this this book and everything. But I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what's... Justin, you're a longtime fan, so I, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, like, what what's kind of your take on this new series? Like, do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Like, what are your thoughts? I really enjoyed it, and much like you, I have this, you know, love-hate relationship with Jason Aaron, too. It's like I either really enjoy what he does or, like, I really dislike it so i was you know so going into this i was really kind of like you know nervous on the fence i was like i i don't know what this guy's gonna do like i may not like it but like i was genuinely surprised like it was really enjoyable like the whole you know from issue one to like the last issue or the most recent issue with the conclusion of last days of magic like i really enjoyed the whole thing i like i enjoyed the story i really enjoyed the artwork like that's you know, that's really great. Like, I've always liked his artwork, but, like, the story, you know, like, you know, like I said before, like, I, I would have liked it a bit more if it had kind of touched on some of those things from the, the Hickman run, where, like, he, he did some things with Doctor Strange, but, like, that's, that's okay. Like, this, this story kind of, like, you know, makes up for it with its own, uh, uh, awesomeness, I guess. Like, it's, it was just a lot of fun. Like, we've seen, like, so many different takes on Doctor Strange, you know, we've seen him, like, you know, fight Dormammu and Baron Mordo like so many times so I was like what are they going to do with this like what are they going to do with Doctor Strange now like oh they're going to like you know introduce some kind of like race of people who were like all technological and they like they eat magic like they destroy it like they just you know they, they despise magic I was like okay that sounds that sounds pretty cool that sounds like a pretty good idea like I, I could like 
I can get behind that. And, you know, we see like, you know, not, not only do we see like Doctor Strange struggle with this, but like we see all the other like magical users like Magic and, you know, Scarlet Witch and Brother Voodoo and sorry, Doctor Voodoo. You know, we see all these guys like get into this big battle and like they're beat. Like these guys have like totally beaten them back and then they kind of go on this quest to like, you know, wherever there's like a scrap of magic or like a little like, you know, someone's skull they can crush up or like an old like mystical object. Like they have to get it and like they have to like put it all together and like try and fight back. Like I, I really like that. There are like some, I don't know, wacky things in it that I'm not so crazy about. Like, and I guess it's just like a product of its time. You know, it's like I, I've never been really crazy about the whole like, you know, Doctor Strange as a total player. Like I've, I don't. I don't know where that characterization came from. I'm not really crazy about it. And then the whole thing of like, I I get the the idea that magic has a price. Like that's not a new concept. I get that. But then like they have him do like wacky things like to like constantly throw up and all this stuff. I'm like, uh, I'm okay. Like if, if that's what you want to go. But I did like the idea like later on of like Wong setting up this kind of thing where like the price is you know expunge through you know others like he Wong sets up these people who are like the soldiers of strange and they they basically take on the price for dr strange like they kind of uh throw up for him i guess and then we kind of see the effect that that has like later on in the story but but you know overall like i, I really enjoyed this like it was a really great story and i like i can't wait to see where it's going next like i know there's an annual coming out soon and it said that clea will be in it like I'm I'm excited to see Clea. Like I I've always been kind of interested in her and like their relationship. And you know it's like she's one of those characters that will randomly show up. And it's like you know kind of like Damien Hillstrom. It's like when they show up, you're never quite sure if you're a fan of that character. You're never quite <laughs> sure what direction they're gonna take. Yeah, yeah. It's like because sometimes she'll show up and she'll be like, yeah, like I remember me, you know, me and Doctor Strange were hanging out and it was all cool. And then she'll be in some other book, and she'll be like, you know, Doctor Strange is a jerk. I'm glad I left him. And I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't add up. But, but, but overall, like, yeah, like this is, this is like a, you know, as a longtime Doctor Strange fan, like I really enjoyed this comic. Cool. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I'm, I'm also curious. Before we, you know, keep going with specifics, like I'm sort of curious as as Mike is coming to this fairly new, as he said, like I'm kind of curious what his reaction to this was as well. I, I liked it for the most part. I definitely, like, I, even if I'm not that familiar with Doctor Strange, I'm familiar with, like, you know, comic tropes and, like, the feel of comics now, you know, nowadays. And I, I could definitely tell this was trying to, you know, start off on the ground floor, more or less, and, like, yeah, leave all that kind of nasty baggage from the past few years behind. I also, yeah, like, I also agree with Justin, where it, it seems like, like, Doctor Strange, like, has only ever seemed like a ladies' man to me, like, in the, like, very, uh, not until very recently, I feel like. And I, I think that's a... A sort of like I don't I don't know what it is, but it, it seems like they're trying to make him more like Tony Starkish or something like that. Because yeah. I guess like they yeah they they can because they're, like, they're awesome facial hair bros. Exactly. They must, they <laughs> must also secret, be they must also be awesome like yeah you know ladies man bros as yes. well or something. Yeah. So I I was wondering like how much of the movie script does Jason Aaron is Jason Aaron privy to like at this point or when he was writing these issues? Cause even though the movie hasn't come out yet, 
I, I felt like that characterization, you know, like the j- just to get into specifics because because it's come up, you know, like I I did feel like even as, as soon as the first issue, I felt like not not only just him being a ladies man, but I felt like, you know, Stephen Strange was a little more cheeky than I was used to Doctor Strange being, you know what I mean? Like where he's like, uh, you know, in the, in the in- introduction, I guess he's helping this young child who is sort of infested with these uh these kind of spirits or whatever you know and like when you first see him fighting them you you don't even realize he's fighting on the plane of a little child's body like you think he's in some you know mystical realm and there are these monsters and all this other stuff and and one of them is this kind of beautiful but tentacled lady you know and and like his reaction to it is like i'm just gonna cast me this spell of romantic divination and you know see if she's like into me and he's like i think she's totally into me you know and by like you know the end of it he's like making out with her and he convinces these spirits to leave the child's body and go over to rikers island to like infest some you know child predators or something like that you know and figures the scales are balanced or whatever and and like i was kind of surprised as far as like what you guys are saying like that he was such a i mean even in that sense it's like oh this woman wants to kill me but i'm gonna get me a little sugar sugar before that goes down or if i don't convince her otherwise you know so you're just kind of like huh you know And, and even when he he goes back to the, the, the magic bar to discuss with all his colleagues, you know, even them, you know, they're all kind of like, oh, who is it this time, Stephen? Oh, you made out with one of those, a tentacled one? Wow, that's a new one even for you. And you're just kind of like, yeah, I, I sort of agree with Justin, like, where I was like, I, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, obviously, I am not the most well-read Doctor Strange person, but I've probably read enough, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, like, Justin just brought up, like, Clea, you know, that, if you're going to point to anybody as being Doctor Strange's, you know, longtime girlfriend, you know, you would point to that character, and, you know, not not to say that he hasn't had other romantic entanglements, but of the one that he almost, you know, basically was married to and, and all that other stuff, it was Clea, right? So you're like, I, I can't think of him being this kind of Tony Stark guy with a different girlfriend every series or something like that. I can't explain it. It just feels like you saved my life. Well, that's what I'm supposed to get paid for. You discharge, you can go home. Yeah, I know. I've been waiting. For what? I I guess another thing that's worth bringing up is that, you know, Justin did mention the the whole magic bar and and the idea that you have a lot of other characters that maybe if there are fans of other characters in the Marvel Universe, like, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I I do feel like the, the one person who... I haven't seen in the Marvel Universe in a really long time, and maybe that's just me because I haven't been paying attention, but it was kind of nice to see Shaman and Talisman. I mean, they were characters that I I feel like we haven't seen in a really, really long time, you know? I was kind of like, oh, is Shaman alive again? Like, like that that was like the last time I think I checked in with him. 
Yeah, and, I, I, like, I, I Bendis can't... sort of callously killed him off, basically. So. Yeah, so I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw him in sort of an active, useful status. Do you know what I mean? Like where I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, like I, I sort of dug that. You know, I, you know, you, it, like Justin said, you've got. Of course, I'm a big fan of of Ileana Rasputin. So just the fact that she's there, it's not like she does anything like exceptionally cool. But it, it was it was one of those things where I, you know, just her being. Part of the the club was kind of a, a cool thing at that point. She's she's sort of at the the big boys magic table and everything because you've got you know Jericho Drum, you've got you know Stephen Strange, you've got you know like we just said like Talisman and Shaman, and then I'm trying to think oh Scarlet Witch you know so it's like and and even Damian Hellstrom you know so it's like you've got like these you know I guess you know people that Aaron is considering sort of the big guns of, of Marvel magic that, you know, they all would, you know, sort of, you know, converse and hang out together. And, and, and they kind of imply that this is something that Strange set up on a regular basis, but he's always kind of pretty busy fighting all these, these magical battles all the time that he's sometimes too busy to show up to these, these meetings on time and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I imagine it's like, you know, if, if the magic people of the Marvel Universe were the fan holes, you know, they'd get together at this bar and podcast, like, every once in a while, you know, something like that, so, and that was kind of, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. What What was your guys' take on the new supporting character? It's the librarian, her name is Zelma Stanton. Like, I, I kind of felt like, I mean, I, I think that also speaks to my feelings on, I wonder if Aaron knew about the Doctor Strange movie script while he was writing this, or if this was something, because she felt to me a lot like, you know, what's-her-face from Two Bro Girls, you know, who played, like, Mew Mew in the fucking Thor movies, where I could just see somebody being cast as her in a Doctor oh, Strange yeah. movie. Oh, like, Yeah, you know, like, going like, I don't know about magic, I've got a little monster in my hair! You know, like, kind of, like, supposed to be, like, the comic relief or whatever of the series. I mean, it's not like she was like that in this comic the whole time, but she very much is the the muggle, you know, to, like, sort of set up, I mean, to use a Harry Potter term, you know, like, she's the norm that, that, you know, gets introduced to this world of magic, and so, you know, at any point, if you're sort of confused about what's going on you know you you know somebody could conceivably you know voice their questions through this character and you could have this librarian go well you know what's this all about why is this you know and and, you know it does create some modicum of comedy you know where it's like don't touch that you know don't go through that door you know like you know don't don't you know and then, of course, you know, she does all those things, and it's like, okay, now I know. Don't go through the door. Monsters might kill me. You know, like, that kind of thing. So, I mean, you know, or, or even that scene where, like, it's like he tells her not to go through his refrigerator, and, like, I couldn't help but think of, like, Ghostbusters, like, you know, Dana in the the apartment, or, like, you know, the the Zool monsters or whatever were in the refrigerator, you know? And, like, there there is that aspect where... You know, like, all these monsters come out of the fridge, and then Wong, like, does all his, you know, martial arts to, like, stop them. And then, you know, that's something that I thought was interesting, and and I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn or not, but, you know, Wong does all this kung fu and, and beats up the monsters. And then the next scene, he's, like, cooking the monsters for Doctor Strange. And, like, I, I, I kind of was wondering, like, in, in terms of, I, I feel like this is, one, the first time they've, 
brought in sort of a Vertigo Constantine aspect to his magic use. I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but but this is the first time I remember there being something where, you know, like they're talking about there's a price to pay for using magic. You know, there's a tab to pay. There's consequences. Like if you do one good thing, you know, you, you sort of have to pay the price, whether it's takes its toll on Stephen Strange's body physically or like even in the opening sequence, he helps the, the child, you know, and, and, and convinces these this infestation of weird magical tentacle people to go bother people at Rikers Island instead of this little boy. But then they say, you know, thank you so much. You've helped our child. Like, how can we repay you? And, and Dr. Strange basically just says your neighbor, like he, he lives alone. It's his birthday tomorrow. Like buy him a cake and then, you know, get him a goldfish as a present and consider the debt to me paid. And, like, it, it just seems like there's a lot of, you know, tit-for-tat, pay-it-forward, keeping the scales balanced, like, you know, that whole thing of, you know, m you know magic is always about keeping some kind of balance or whatever. But, you know, it, it's that whole thing of, oh, if you do a nice spell for somebody, maybe you will physically be hurt, whether, like, it's like Justin said, throwing up or that, that kind of like how Batman goes out on the streets every night. And then when he comes home, it's like Alfred's got to patch him up. And it's like, apparently, you know, Wong's got to, like, do the same thing. They're trying to sort of Batman him up where it's like, you know, he's got, you know, mystical, like, scars. And, you know, Wong's got to take care of that shit. And, you know, and then that's how it rolls into this whole, you know secret defenders of strange you know the, this this group of monks that apparently takes a lot of the damage for strange you know where it's like he gets blinded and then the monk you know all the way in tibet is actually getting blinded or something like that you know so it's like there's there's those aspects and 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 i guess i i sort of got off on a tangent but but wong cooks these monsters up and and the whole notion is like Doctor Strange can't taste pizza anymore. Like, he can't eat human food, because he does all this. Like, that's one of the tolls of saving the world using magic, you know? And I kind of went, huh, well, that's... I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, do any due diligence. I didn't research it. But it's, like, one of those things where I was like, I don't, I don't remember Strange never being able to eat pizza before. And, and it seems like one of these newfangled, you know, semi-Vertigo Constantine aspects that's, like, tossed into... To this storyline and I wonder if that's something that may or may not be in you know a movie version of Doctor Strange mm. it, it is interesting you make that comparison because it's like it always seemed to me like it, 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 at least the Vertigo stuff you had magical characters and the magic always seemed to have a set of rules but as far as like the Marvel Universe when you have characters like Doctor Strange, Damien Hellstrom whatever it always seems like anything goes like there there are no rules or it's like you know the rules are whatever and they, they need to be in this book in the 70s and then it's like in the 80s they may do something else or whatnot it, it, it always seemed to me it's like you know it 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 always in transition or it's like it, it was always fluid you know it's like kind of like you go like i don't ever remember you know dr strange ever having to like pay a price or like you know he, he couldn't eat pizza or, or any of that stuff it's like i just remember it's like you know when when Doctor Strange would like have a you know some kind of like huge crisis or problem, it's like what would he do? You know he he would just lock himself away in the Sanctum Sanctorum and he would just you know meditate like 
that you know that was usually yeah after a few days of meditation like he'd he'd be ready to go on his next ad- adventure or whatever but like i guess it was kind of i don't know inevitable that they would like apply some rules to uh dr strange or maybe like you know borrow from some of that vertigo stuff like because you know like th- those books are you know pretty pretty popular and well respected in the in the comics community so i guess like if you want to like you know, I guess jumpstart kind of a, an old character. You, you might want to like borrow from some of the, like the greatest hits, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean that makes sense. I mean, even even along those lines, what you're talking about, you know, we we did bring up and and you had first mentioned the basically the big bads of this storyline, which are this group of basically science based villains called the Empiricool, and and the the leader of the Empiricool is this guy named the Imperator. And I kind of joked, or we kind of joked, that I guess I must be the Imperator, because the Imperator hates magic. He despises magic. I mean, it's interesting. His origin is a a bit like... It's kind of Kryptonian-ish, you know? Like, he comes from a dying world, but it seems like, you know, the, the people that chased his family away and killed his family were all magicians and stuff like that. And then he was kind of quickly scurried away by these robot servants that were kind of like, at the time, these skinny little dudes with with sort of eyes for heads. They, they kind of look like the dude from Ghost Rider the, with the big eyeball on his head, you know, like, and I was like, I was like, but, but like robotic versions of that character. And, and, uh, you know, as you, you know, continue or as you, you know, are introduced to the characters in the story, they're almost like these giant or, or, you know, sort of more muscular versions of those caretakers, but still with the eyeballs on their heads. And, and they're very, you know, militarized and almost like, you know, anti-magic sentinels, you know, basically is kind of what they're like, you know, the, these these soldiers that, that serve the Imperator. And, like, there's lots of sort of connections to, I mean, I'm just kind of jumping around to sort of explain it to maybe somebody who, you know, has not read the story or something like that. But, I mean, I couldn't help but think of things like witch trials and the Spanish Inquisition, you know, as you get snippets and you're introduced to aspects of these new characters you know where it's like you can see they they basically go to all these different realms all these different universes and they are either torturing and or killing the sorcerer supremes like that's how they wipe out magic in whatever realm they come across they use science they have science that is apparently so powerful it can negate the defenses of these you know, magic users, and then basically they either try to, kind of like the Spanish Inquisition, like have these guys confess that they're heretics and, you know, I guess maybe convert them to science, or in most cases it seems like in, like, you know, comparing it to, like, witch trials and stuff, they just burn the fucking people to death, you know? So it's like this, like, really kind of horrible notion and or imagery that's that's kind of brought up but i mean it it's cool that that you know like i know what it seemed like justin you were saying you were kind of into the idea that they you know instead of going to maybe a a standard dr strange villain you know whether it be dormammu or shumagorath or baron mordo you know somebody like that you know that aaron is crafting this whole 
you know, brand new character to face off against Doctor Strange and this kind of new world and everything. I did sort of feel like, and and uh, this isn't like a damning criticism, but you know, and 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 maybe Mike can speak to this too because he talked about other tropes that you know that he was familiar with. But I did kind of feel like, like I said, I know I have like a love hate thing going on with Aaron, and like I I kind of felt like this was kind of like you know how like sometimes people criticize Jeff Johns and they say like, Oh dude can tell like the same two stories over and over and over and over again. You know, it's like something goes down, like super cool golden age hero comes back out of the mothballs and like helps everything. And then they all get into a big fight and everything's cool. And you know, like I, I you know, they point to like these kind of trope stories that, you know, the, the, that the writers seem to have a fascination with and everything. And I feel like with Jason Aaron, like, having a bunch of Sorcerer Supremes and other universes getting owned felt kind of like tired hat for a Jason Aaron story because I'm like, this worked well. It's well written. I get it. The setup's like kind of anticipatory. Like, you know, you know, obviously this is written for the trade. So I think it's a little, a little dragged out, but I mean, I get it. You know, the Imperator is a badass. He's out to like end all magic you know, and this is like some really serious shiznit, you know, and everything. And Doctor Strange is getting the band together and trying to do this last ditch thing. And, you know, when the magic is starting to get wiped out, it gets really serious where you're like, oh, dude, you know, I'm going to use the Crimson Bands of Sidorak. And it's like, what, my spell, you know, my Omega Beams do not work, you know, because they've, they've basically turned off all the magic and they're destroying all these these places and books and spells, you know, and stuff like that. And so, you know, basically like Justin was saying, you know, they have to sort of scrape off the bottom of the barrel for any little scrapes of magic left in, you know, basically the 616 universe that they can use, you know? And, like, it works okay, but then all I could think of the whole time while I was reading that is, and, and this could just be my fault because I'm overexposed to the man's work or I've read all these other stories, but it's like, I couldn't help but think of Thor and Ghost Rider. And Jason Aaron had runs on both those books. And I kind of thought, like, the Imperator's fine and everything, but, like, how different is he from Gore the God Killer? Like, I mean, they basically have, like, the same origin, except for you insert something different. It's like, you know, with the Imperator, it's like, a uh, magician stubbed my toe when I was a little kid and killed my parents, therefore, I'm going to murder all magicians. And, like, Gore the God Killer is like, God's told me, like, shit was super hunky-dory, but they killed my parents, and then I, like, ran away, started a family, and the gods killed my family, therefore, I'm now going to run around and kill all the gods. Do you know what I mean? And and then and then I thought of like the Ghost Rider thing, which isn't exactly the same, but it is kind of the same in the sense that like there's not one Ghost Rider and it's not there's not two Ghost Riders. There's Ghost Riders all over the world. And like what do we want to do? Like Zedekiel or whatever wants to like, you know, steal all the Ghost Riders' powers for himself. And how does he do that? Like he cons Dan Ketch into being a dumbass and doing it. Obviously, you can tell that I like Thor, but I didn't like Ghost Rider. But, you know, like, that that's kind of, you know, what, what I started thinking of when I was reading this because I felt like it was fine. Like, the first five issues kind of set that up all very, very well. You know, you got the whole, 
you know, there's the Brotherhood of Strange, they're taking all these mystical hits for Strange, and you're kind of questioning, like, the the moral dubiousness of all of that, you know, you're introduced to the sporting characters, whether it's, you know, Wong or, you know, the new librarian Zelma, you know, but by the end of the day, you're kind of like, I, I was a little more caught up in the writer technique rather than completely enjoying the story because I did kind of think of those other stories in the first arc. I, I don't know if that, does that make sense to you guys or... No, that that makes perfect sense. Like, I guess I hadn't thought about it in that way. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, Mike and I, to various degrees, are fans of Rick Remainder. But it's like, even though we're fans, we totally, like, we totally see through his craft sometimes. And we're like, oh, like, he keeps doing, like, the same kind of story, you know, several times over. It seems it's like, you know, this person dies, comes back. You know, there's always, like, uh, an evil team or an evil guy that looks like them, but they got to fight and that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, we've we've seen your bag of tricks now. Like, show us something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess I, I, I don't think I, I'm going to use it as damning criticism. All I'll say is if you've if you've seen Aaron's bag of tricks, this, this, you know, regardless of whether it's Doctor Strange or Thor or Ghost Rider, like, you, you, you may see things that are a little familiar you know you, you may not be seeing things that are completely brand new is is all i'd sort of you know kind of come to the table with i i guess then i mean because because i feel like that, that kind of sets up the whole first arc pretty well but i i guess we we can go maybe into more detail on the last days of magic and stuff which again i didn't realize there was a deadpool tie-in to last days of magic and all I was going to say about that is, have you guys seen, like, the Claymation variant cover for that issue? Yeah, that, I, that was pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I didn't know that was a thing until I read that, and I was like, okay, that's that's an interesting cover variant. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, that's kind of neat. Like, I, I really, really like that. Like, if you've ever been, I guess for anybody who doesn't know, like, if you've ever been a fan of any of those old Claymation things, whether it's like, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or, or any anything that kind of had that old-school claymation, you know, animated feel and stuff. There's actually, like, a cover they kind of crafted where it's, like, Deadpool and, and his, you know, magic buddy Michael and then I think his wife, you know, on the cover. And they're all kind of done up in that kind of claymation style. And I, I thought that was, like, a lot of fun and everything. And, and, and then, I, I to be honest, like even after doing that Deadpool podcast we did, I still don't know a whole hell of a lot about Posehn's run on Deadpool. So I wasn't, like, super familiar with the characters, but I, I thought he did a good job at least of setting up all the feels when... Because when, I guess he, he reaches out to this guy, Michael, who's, like, a magic user. So that's the sort of peripheral tie-in. Like, his wife's lair or whatever is under attack by these, you know, the Imperator and... You know the whole, what do you call them? The the empirical, you know, and they're they're basically attacking that lair. And you know, long story short, you know, despite like Doctor Voodoo and all these guys showing up to fight the good fight, you know, the the one guy who can take care of it is this guy Michael. But he sort of traps himself in this kind of magic time bomb, and by the end of it, you know, he's just a bunch of dust. And of course, Deadpool's all sad, and they have this kind of thing where he has to tell the the fiance who's pregnant, you know, that, that her husband's died and stuff. And, and it's kind of like, you, you know, it was one of those things where you're like, Oh geez, like you, you kind of feel bad for like everybody all around. So I thought, you know, even, even though it was kind of a periphery 
tie-in to the, the whole storyline. I, I thought it was kind of, you know, I thought it was well done because I have, like, zero connection to those characters, but I still kind of felt, you know, a twinge of, like, oh, geez, like, you kind of feel bad for these people. You know, you, you got some empathy for, for Deadpool and the wife and, and, uh, and all these other you know, characters and stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of remember that Michael guy from, like, Posehn and Dugan's run. And I was kind of like, oh, that's too bad. Like, I, uh, I forgot exactly. I think he he was just, like, some, like, like yeah, like, corner magician or something who was trying to, like, summon, like, something. I, I forgot what it was, but he became, like, a supporting character. And I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of sad. But, like, yeah, they, they, it pulled, they pulled it off really well. And I, 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 I really like, uh, what's her name, uh, Shikla, like Deadpool's wife. Like, she's fun. I think she's pretty funny. Sorry if I'm, I'm kind of a noob about that, but my, my understanding of it's correct. Like, she kind of looks like kind of like the hot demon woman some of the time, but she also kind of turns into like this hideous beast or whatever. Yeah, she morphs into a, yeah, dragon thing, yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, that's I, I sort of picked up on that, but I, I just wanted to make sure. So I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. You were like, what's wrong with your face? Well, you know, it's like it's like I think when you're introduced to her in that special, she starts out in the dragon form, and then I didn't really recognize her in that form, and then and then I think by the time she you know morphed back into you know and she's like oh you know husband or you know however she puts it you know and then she morphed back into her regular form, then I was kind of like oh I get it, like she's the you know that that that's that's where they are you know like i kind of put that all together and kind of you know a light bulb clicked and i was like oh i get this i get some of this magic stuff even though i hate it you know so you know like so i thought that was kind of cool like wh what did you guys think of the whole like beginning of last days of magic like what did you think of the whole fight between strange and the imperator like was that was that cool like i i kind of thought maybe it was a little bit of the death battle thing because it's like, they, they seem to have Strange, like, really kind of kicking his ass all over the place in the beginning of the issue. And I figured, like, oh, okay, this can't last forever. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I'm like, we've got, like, you know, four more issues of this. So it's not like he can kick his ass, you know, right in the, you know, right in the first part of it, you know. So I kind of expected, like, the rug to get pulled out from under him, you know, eventually. Which, which is kind of what happened, you know. Like, it seemed like he did all this cool stuff where he's like, he, you know, I don't know. I, I... I don't know if it was too much, but I thought it was kind of funny where he's like, Abracadabra, you son of a bitch, you know? And I was just kind of like, okay, like, I get it. It's supposed to be like his, his, you know, super cool moment or whatever, you know, where he's like, you know, trying to, you know, lay the smack down on the Imperator. But, you know, at, at this point, like, it's, it's almost like that's all worthless. He gets bitch slapped, like, right away, and then he's... I, I thought he was going to, like, you know, I don't know. Not not literally people, but I was kind of like, man, like, Strange is about to get butt-raped, man, because he's, like, just sitting there bent over crying and stuff, and, you know, basically he's like, I'm going to round all you up and then burn you! And I was like, whoa. Like, this is... this is That's when I started thinking of, like, witch trials and Spanish Inquisition and all this kind of stuff, because I was like, Jesus. You know, it seemed, like, pretty pretty serious. Yeah, that, that was a good fight, and, you know... Uh, the whole time I was like wondering, you know, how he was going to get out of this because I was thinking back to like, you know, old issues and I was like, well, he could do this and he could do that. And, but, you know, n none of that happened, which I, I was, you know, pleased that none of the stuff in my head happened because I'm always like, you know, I'm always happy to see something new like, you know, 
magic versus technology, you know, Doctor yeah. Strange, but uh, but yeah, it like it, it was it was a good fight. You know, you always hate to see your one of your favorite characters get like the crap kicked out of him, but you know, like you know, it, it's his title, so you know he's gonna come back. And then it, it kind of becomes like this, like a road trip book for like an issue or two, which I thought was fun. You know, you've got like Doctor Strange, he calls himself like the archaeologist of the impossible because he no longer has a whole lot of magic. So he's like, he's doing like a Raiders of the Lost Ark thing without his magic, you know, like running, th- running through traps and things to like, you know, get like a magic sword or, you know, to like get someone's skull or something. And I, I really like that because I don't think we've seen, you know, or at least I haven't seen anything like that in Doctor Strange, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and then and then I guess, you know, just so people could follow along, like, the reason why Strange and everybody didn't get burned, even though, again, I was thinking, man, I am like the Imperator, because you notice how the Imperator is like, you temptress magic, like, I've met women like you before, you know, and I was like, oh, he even thinks magic is kind of cool, so, like, I'm like, I'm totally the Imperial. <laughs> That's, I was thinking that, too, I was like, he, he was, like, he was, when he comes up to magic, and he's like, damn, you fun, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I was, I was thinking, like, you know, maybe since since it's on your avatar, I just thought maybe I'd, I'd throw you a bone, Mike. But, you know, the, the reason why they get away and they don't all get burned is one of the guys who frequents the, the, the magic bar that they all go to is this kind of like old drunk named Monaco. And he basically, you know, like I guess he helps like the, the Mary Marvel magic users, you know, get away from the, the, the you know the Imperador and everything, and, and uh, I mean, ultimately, I guess it's at the cost of his life, but since you, you since you have him as your avatar, I thought maybe, you know, he made an impression on you, that's something you want to speak to as far as that character goes. I just thought it was funny, because he, like, literally says, I used up all my power, like, right at the end, <laughs> like, before, before, like, he gets, like, smashed, so I just thought that was funny, but... Now, he was pretty cool, like, otherwise, where he's always, like, you know, strange, like, you know, you gotta, you never pay a price for your magic, and, you know, he's always, like, touting that, basically. And what I thought was neat is, like, that's, that's actually, like, an old Golden Age character, like, he was in, like, a few issues of, like, Daring Comics or something, like, he, he didn't show up a lot, but, like, I was, like, this guy, like, looks familiar, so, like, you know, went on the Marvel Wiki, and I was, like, aha, like, I, I did remember you, so, like, it was, it, it's always kind of neat to see, like, even if they're, like, you know, horribly killed off or whatever, but it's always kind of neat to see someone, like, bring back an old uh, Golden Age character, like, that no one's used since the 40s and kind of, you know, make them a little relevant again. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say, hey, they may have brought them back and killed them, but at least they knew who they were to bring them back and kill them. Like, I mean, you got to give props for that. So, I, I, I guess so he really did, like, beat up Nazis back in the... Yeah, in the world war then. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, see that's something that's that's news to me. I didn't I didn't look up Monica. What I did look up was in in the sequence where I guess you know they they feature the characters pretty heavily in the last days of magic special, but basically like there are a lot of different magic users beyond the ones we've mentioned that are sort of set up, I guess, if that makes any sense, like, you know, that, that are brand new characters and stuff. And like, it's like the first appearance of a lot of these characters. I, I kind of have some strong feelings about one of them, but well, no, I kind of have strong feelings about two of them, 
But anyway, so so you've got you've got Professor Zhu, which is a Asian lady magician and stuff, and then you've also got Mahatma Doom and El Medico Mystico. So I, I guess you know it, it's kind of to me again, it, it's kind of calling back on that maybe the Ghost Rider trope that I was talking about, where you know it's like. Aaron had done this shtick where, you know, it wasn't always John Blaze who was the ghostwriter. You know, it was Dan Ketch, and then there were ghostwriters all over the world. So you, like, had all these different sort of nationalistic ghostwriters, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, like of different cultures, of different origins and ethnicities and all this kind of stuff. So, again, you know, you're you're being exposed to and, and seeing, I guess, magic users in the Marvel Universe you know, fight off the empirical on, like, a world level. You know, like, seeing them fighting these characters, like, all over the world and stuff like that. And, like, I'm kind of, well, I guess I don't have, like, super strong feelings about El Medico Mystico, but it does have that annoying thing where, like, I I don't want to be insensitive, but it's just, like, one of those things where, like, there's, like, pages of dialogue that this character has that's untranslated. And, like, I get there are people like yourself, Justin, that hate seeing stereotypical, like, accents written, even though that's never bothered me, and I feel like it's always been part of comics. But I get if that's bothersome. But, I mean, I I would be... My compromise would be, can you put, like, you know, the little dialogue brackets and a asterisk and say translated from insert language here, you know, yeah. like, like whatever yeah. it is. Cause it's like th- this whole thing, like where it's like, Oh, you know, I-, I-, I could understand if I was, you know, in Spain, you know, or if I was in South America, you know, then yes, like I would have to, you know, m- you know, read some of those signs and that's just the way it is. But I've kind of like, this is like supposed to be written in English pretty much, but then it's like pages of dialogue. I feel like are completely worthless, you know, cause I, I, I can't read them. You know, like, and, and I don't know if that's, like, super centric or whatever, like, but I don't think it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, the, I mean, you're paying for a product, right? So you should be able to actually, you know, like, there, there was, like, I felt like, I think we, I don't know if we talked about this on the show, but even when we did the Deadpool podcast, like, there's an entire comic book that's like that of Deadpool, where it's, like, that one, like, El Luchadoro kind of, wrestler type dude or something that one character i don't know anyway there's an entire comic like that and i was just like you know at least this was only like a few pages but i don't know i i thought that was kind of you know i don't know there, there has to be a compromise you know like it, it's like you know i uh i recently bought marvel legends uh, deadpool and i was like oh cool and I, I like i flipped over the back of the box and you've got like this little cartoon version of Deadpool, and he's saying something in Spanish, and I was like, okay, I don't know what you're saying. I guess it's funny. I don't know. I guess I'll have to, like, look it up on the internet and see what you're saying. Like, I don't know, but, you know, that, like, that's a minor thing compared to what you're saying, but, yeah, like, I, I get what you're saying. I'm like, you know, I, he, he's do, he has all that dialogue, and I'm just like, dude, I don't know what you're saying. Somebody translate. Well, at least, at least on those, those Marvel Legends boxes, like, you know, when they do the little write-ups, even though they're like a sentence or so, and it says, Deadpool's an assassin for hire, he eats tacos. Then there's, you know, the trilingual thing where it says the same thing in like, I don't know, Spanish and French and whatever else it says. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, fine. Like, you know, you've now made it 
something for the world market. Okay, great. Like, congratulations to you. More power to you. But I can look at the one paragraph or English sentence and understand it. Like, it'd be super annoying if you walked into, like, a Walmart and all it had was the Spanish write-up. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I don't know what this is, you know, so... But, I mean, I guess it's kind of minor and nitpicky as far as that goes. But the, the other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, which I kind of feel like is a massive retcon or, like, totally, like, changes a lot of stuff, is wh- what do you guys think of the whole Mahatma Doom origin story? Like, because if, if, I guess for people that are listening that don't know who this character is, like, this is apparently one of the monks when when Dr. Doom went to, you know, basically go train and, and, you know, back when he had the little tiny scar on his face and all that other stuff. And then he, he, he basically went to Tibet, found this, you know, basically long, you know, sealed away group of monks to learn from. And so he does this, he becomes their master. And then they construct him his suit of armor. And, you know, this is at that point where, you know, John Byrne throws in the thing that the, you know, the, the faceplate is so hot, that's what really disfigures him and stuff like that. And so you've got that thing going on. And according to the, the write-up in The Last Days of Magic, Mahatma Doom is the sole survivor of those monks because apparently Doom killed them all, like, right after that happened. And I'm like, that's not what happened. I mean, it's, I, I, I was just kind of like, he didn't kill any of them. Like, some of them went on to work for him, like, in different stories. But, like, I was just kind of like, I don't know. It, it, that, that's one of those things where it, it, I guess that got me into that whole hate part of the love-hate thing with Aaron. Where I'm like, that's not, like, why, why would Doom even do that? Like, I don't, I mean, I know, like, Doom's a bad guy. But, like, I, I was just kind of like. I don't, I don't know, it just bugged me, but I, I, did you guys notice that? Is that anything you picked up on, or? Yeah, at first I was like, what, is this, is this some kind of, like, wacky, you know, other dimensional version of Dr. Doom or something? And then they started talking about, like, oh, he, you know, he, he's the only survivor from that group of monks. I'm like, um, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, Doom didn't kill those guys, you know, kind of like you, but, like, I was just like, I just wrote it up, I was like, uh, oh. Okay, whatever, you know, like, I'm just, I'm just gonna ignore that. I'm pretty much 100% positive, like, I mean, I I suppose you could act like that could have happened a panel later or something, but I, I mean, I can at least tell you that in the, the Lee Kirby stuff, there's no reference to anybody getting killed after that point. In the John Byrne stuff, there's no reference to anybody getting killed after that point. In the Brubaker, like, Books of Doom miniseries, which goes into a lot more detail about everything that happened around that time frame, the monks actively serve him, and one of them, like, hangs out with him for the rest of the miniseries. So, like, he definitely did not kill any of the monks in that. Do you know what I mean? And that's probably from what, like, 2003? So it's not like, it's not like it's like, oh, that's some, some old story or whatever, you know, like, that kind of thing. It's like, no, like, they've, they're, they're pretty much, they've, they, they, they're alive. Like, you know, it, yeah. This is something we'll probably get into a bit more on the next topic, but, like, this, this seems like something someone would write who, like, they don't get Dr. Doom, or it's something that's just 
a product of, of its time where you're where people are just like, oh, like Doctor Doom's the baddest and he's gonna kill all these people. Whereas you know, if you read like you know the the older stuff, you realize like no, Doctor Doom is not like a crazy murdering psychopath. Like he he has honor and respect for people and like you know he. He wouldn't leave, you know, Doctor Strange stranded in some wacky dimension just to, like, fuck him over or something. And it's like, you know, would Doctor Doom, like, kill these people for, like, whatever reason? Like, oh, they stubbed his toe or, like, you know, they served him, like, a raw steak that he didn't want? Like, no, like, that that's not something Doctor Doom would do. Or at least I don't see him doing that. Like, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's that constant struggle you have where you feel like you, 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 you feel a great sense of propriety to the character... And you've seen people like, say, you know, I know we will get to it, but people like Roger Stern or John Byrne or whoever, you know, even Stanley and Jack Kirby, you know, doing the character as as he was intended to be. And then and then you see moments like that where I, I, I feel exactly what you said. I mean, I think you, you coined it, you know, you nailed the you know, nailed it on the head, basically, like I don't think you understand Doctor Doom if you think he would just murder all the monks and and somehow like one if he was going to murder all the monks he would have murdered all the monks he wouldn't have left one alive and then two i don't think he would have killed all the monks you know what i mean like and, and three there's comic books that show that he didn't fucking kill all the monks so <laughs> so i i was like thinking like you could have still i mean couldn't you have tweaked that so it would have worked like where you could have been like dude he's one of the monks he doesn't want to work for Doom anymore, and thus he goes around and is Mahatma Doom. I mean, couldn't couldn't he still have the tie to Doom's monks without having all his other monks be killed? Like, couldn't he have just decided, you know what, I thought Latveria and, and Doom was a cool dude and he was my master, but then, you know, I don't know, one day, you know, he like, you know, I don't know, atomized some bubble gum and it, like, rubbed me the wrong way and now I'm doing this instead but it's like everything's got to be like life or death or something you know like so i don't know but yeah that that did kind of bug me which is why i dedicated a whole bunch of time to it on this show because i was like oh i I need to talk about this because i i guess i do feel this strong sense of propriety to how how i see dr doom and 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 it's it seems like it's so easy now for people to just fuck him up you know it's like I'm trying to think, like, remember, like, Heroes Return? Like, wasn't there a guy named Crucible, and, like, his suit came from those monks? Like, didn't he, like, make those monks build him a suit similar to Dr. Doom's? Mm, mm. So then, then they would, ostensibly, they would have to be alive for that to have happened, right? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. What did you guys think? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because I like James Robinson, but and, and she wasn't super involved in in the actual last days of magic storyline, but, but among all these other sort of new mystics that are introduced in the last days of magic special, there is the, I guess it's her mother who's named August Wu. And she's like this kind of pink haired, like sage magician lady that Dr. Strange meets early on in his career. And then they sort of cut to, I guess, current day where her teenage daughter is now grown up and now, also shares her mother's pink hair because I guess when her mother was slain by a demon or something, the pink hair went from mother to daughter or whatever, but she became like a cop, like sort of like a hard nosed street cop, like her father. So it's like 
she's kind of this cool, badass, gun-toting, like, uh, Hong Kong, like, police officer, kind of like, you know, hard-boiled or something like that, you know, like a, a John Woo hard-boiled chick, but she's also kind of like a magician, and she's got pink hair, too, so, like, I don't know, I thought it was kind of neat, like, I thought, I thought that was kind of cool, but I don't know if you guys even read that or paid attention to it or anything. Yeah, she seems all right, and, like, I'm kind of, I, I, I expected her to, like, show up, you know, at the end and, like, I don't know, start shooting magical bullets into the Empirical or, or whatever, so, like, I, I guess they'll, like, do something with her, you know, later on, but, like, I'm kind of curious to see what they'll do with her. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, I, I, I think, like, I'm, I, I still kind of have a few more notes towards the, the wrap-up of the, the current ongoing series, but I was just going to note that in the process of, I guess, the, the tab, you know, the magical tab that Stephen Strange needs to pay, the tab seems to have been paid by way of a creature or a monster that is in the cellar of the Sanctum Sanctorum. And it, it, there, there are a couple hints at this early on where, you know, Wong, you know, brings Strange down to the cellar in these kind of black and white flashbacks. And he's like, we must take you to the cellar, Master, and all this other stuff. And you kind of don't know what's going on there. And eventually you see that, like, in addition to these monk secret defenders who were taking on the tab for Doctor Strange, you know, this magical scars, I guess, of, of all his adventures and, and, and you know, world-saving events and everything like that. The creature in the cellar is, like, the embodiment of all the, like, pain and suffering, and it, it somehow was imparted onto this creature. And, like, I, I kind of was, like, the, the way he looks, like, I, I was kind of reminded a little bit of no face from spirited away like it, it's like this kind of creepy thing with like a white mask and stuff and then also you know the the body itself is all black but by the time you actually see it in the cellar like it's it's just kind of like no face towards the end of spirited away where it's all gluttonous and it's ate all this stuff and like there are all these like kind of like spiky toothed jaws coming out of it and just all this craziness and everything. And so it was kind of weird because they did, they spent all this time setting up the Imperator. And then at this point, like, you know, the Imperator has all his like eyeball troops, you know, trying to take down the Sanctum Sanctorum. And a lot of these guys get pwned by this, this no face cellar monster, basically for lack of a better term. And, like, it was a, it, it was interesting, you know, like, but it, it seemed like, I, I was kind of surprised that they immediately went into the whole, like, bad guy versus bad guy thing, where, like, the cellar monster at first is like, oh, I don't have any qualms with you, I kind of hate Strange for, you know, having all these horrors inflicted on me, and, like, I guess... You know, they, they, they start a battle kind of immediately because, you know, the Imperator's kind of like, well, I hate magic and I want to excise you from this world. You know, because, I mean, basically they, they sort of go against each other's prime directives, I suppose. And, like, 
the other thing I thought was kind of vindicating was I did like that when Strange finally sort of learned about the the monks in Tibet that were taking all the like pain and suffering for him. Like basically he's like, Oh Wong, like you couldn't have hid this from me forever. It's like I kind of felt vindicated that once he found out about it, he was just like, Okay, everybody go home. Do you know what I mean? Like like this is kinda of weird and creepy and not not really it feels morally shady, you know, like, like, so everybody go home and like, yeah, and Wong's like, what are you doing? And he like, you know, I don't know, knocks Wong out with some magic dust or something and, you know, whatever. And, and like later they, they willingly come back to, to take that pain and suffering, which, you know, then you're like, oh, okay, well that's okay then, you know, like, but, but there is that kind of notion where I, I, I remember when I first heard about it, I was kind of like, you, you know how Justin, you were saying like, there were some things that were kind of, you know, black, black marks on his soul, uh, you know, with the events of the new Avengers and the Hickman run and all that stuff. And, and like, I felt like if, if he had known about it and then just decided, yeah, Wong, like high five, buddy, good job. You know, then, then I would have felt like a little weird about it, you know, but in the case that he sort of immediately rejected it, then you're kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, like they're trying to get away from that kind of thing. And even, even when the Imperator has him locked up, like, I, I know you said that, that they virtually didn't mention any of this, you know, stuff from the Hickman run at all. But there, there is some exchange where they, I, I think he says something to the effect of, you know, I, I never said I was a saint. Do you know what I mean? Like, like basically, I guess, you know, the Imperator is saying, oh, well, when we burn these people, like, you'll, you would be surprised. You know, you think you're all pious and noble and, and good, but when we start burning people to death, you'd be surprised at all the dirty laundry that gets aired when you're burning to death. And, and, and strange is just basically like, look, dude, I never said I was fucking, you know, a saint. Like I, I never said I was completely good. And, and when he said that line, I mean, I did immediately think of the new Avengers arc. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I kind of thought he's saying, Hey, look, I've done some, I, I've done some pretty horrible things that I'm not too proud of also, you know, but I'm not you, you know, right now, you know, so that, you know, that's, that's basically, you know, what I sort of took away from that. But I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like, what, what do you guys think of the whole, you know, cellar monster and, and the, the fight between him and Imperador and, and all that kind of stuff? I really liked the concept of like the cellar monster, although I think I do agree with you that it's, like, a weird, like, Vertigo-esque thing to, like, add in to, like, you know, something that was pretty straightforward, basically, beforehand. Yeah, it seems to kind of, like, take take the trope of, you know, like, don't go in the cellar, there's something in the cellar, like, don't open the door, don't go down there. It's, it seems to kind of, like, take that trope and, like, make it, in a way, it's like a product of Strange himself, like, even though he doesn't know about it, it's something that, you know, was given birth like through his actions but also because of like Wong's actions and like I was like I was kind of surprised to see the cellar monster like take on like the main bad guy of the Imperial Crow like I was I was like oh cool they're gonna like uh, I for a minute I thought like oh they're gonna do like Raggle Fusion and team up on this guy and it was more like you know it's, it was one of those things where it's like oh like well I'm not gonna let you kill him because I want to kill him like I was like oh okay like well that, that's fine so he but, does definitely have that you know Lex Luthor doomsday moment where it's like ah, i'm supposed to be the one who kills superman you know like that kind of thing where the the no face monster is like well i want to kill strange you know you can't kill strange 
Yeah, and then at, at the very end, you know, he just kind of like, he's like, you know, I'll kill you later. And he just kind of like goes off. So I'm like, okay, I guess we'll like, you know, we'll see more of him like later on. So it's like good. The Cellar Monster voiced by Arnold, you know. I kill you later. The Imperial cool. That's pretty much like they 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 have that confrontation. And during the confrontation, you know, Strange and his own, you know, team of of marvel magic users you know come on site and and you know start combating you know the the uh, empirical and and the you know the, basically like you know i i suppose mike would be would give his approval because dr strange is now using magic arrows and shooting yeah. you know the imperator in the back and everything and he's he's pretty much like at the end of that is like at the end of issue nine he's pretty much like you know I'll be your Huckleberry, you know, <laughs> and he's like shooting the Imperator and stuff like that, which I thought was kind of cool. And 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 ultimately, like rival fusion does happen with like Strange and the Cellar Monster, pretty much, because it's almost like the the Cellar Monster becomes his, you know, like Batman Endgame armor or something. It like sort of forms around Strange, but. You know what I thought was weird about that, though? I mean, I guess I get it. Like, you know, they just spent all this time setting up these cool villains and everything, and they don't want to, like, you know, just get rid of them by killing them off so quickly. But, you know, throughout the course of the series, like, I did at least feel kind of like Strange sort of had a good understanding of the scenario. It was like the Imperator was there to kill magic. And they literally did kill magic, you know, like they were burning books, they were, you know, destroying old temples, you know, they were literally burning magicians on a pyre, you know, so like, it seemed like he sort of understood, okay, this is kill or be killed, you know, like, like, so the, the whole time, even when he's on that fun archaeological romp to get, you know, different artifacts and, and leftover magic stuff that has been, you know, overlooked, by the Imperador and his eyeball soldiers and stuff like that, like, he... He was planning on, as far as I could tell, like, it seemed like he was definitely planning on killing this guy. And, like, after all that, he does the rival fusion with the Cellar Monster, and he doesn't kill the Imperador, and he locks him up in the Cellar. You know, and I was just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I guess that's great. Like, he can get out of the cellar and be a big bad sometime in the future and everything. But, like, I don't know. That that part of it, I thought, was a little, like, I, I was like, I thought you understood. I thought you got this shit. He was going to kill you. Like, you should fucking kill him back. Yeah, other than that, like, you know, like Justin said, I mean, I, I you know, I, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, like I said, I, I sort of voiced some of my criticisms of, 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 you know, some of the things I thought were, you know, typical Jason Aaron tropes, but but I'd say this leans more towards the the love part of the Jason Aaron equation than the hate Jason Aaron part. Of, you know, this is this is definitely not his run on Ghost Rider for me, which I I can't stand. Do you know what I mean? So this is this is more along the lines of the the Thor stuff, which I did like. So you know that that that's all I'll say about that and and you know it kind of ends on sort of an ominous note because even though they've supposedly saved the day they're like did we because magic still appears to be gone and messed up in in the Marvel 616 universe which is maybe 
maybe by design, you know, maybe they, they don't want to be shackled to a series where Dr. Strange can just solve everything at the drop of a hat, you know? So maybe, maybe that's by design to, to keep things plugging along and, you know, continue this whole notion of, you know, sort of vertigo rules to magic and consequences and that, you know, you can't just teleport all the way across the other side of the world without there being some kind of price to pay or something like that. Yeah. I I do kind of wonder if, if this will like impact, you know, Dr. Voodoo on Uncanny Avengers or the Scarlet Witch solo title or even uh, Wiccan in the New Avengers because it seems like, you know, aside from that Last Days of Magic one shot where those characters, aside from Wiccan, were, were featured, it seems like those titles have kind of like not really referenced these events that much. So I'm kind of wondering mm. like if they're going to like kind of like, oh, sweep it under the rug or they're going to like come up with like, you know, like, oh, like, well, like Wanda has her own like special connection and she can like, she can totally like do this now. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering about that or, or maybe it's just, you know, like the events of this issue took place long before yeah. last days of magic. Yeah. It's like a wacky, like, you know, maybe, maybe this took place like, you know, like right after secret wars, because, you know, there was like a, what, six or eight month gap of like missing time or something. So like maybe this took place then, like, I, I don't know. Like it just seems kind of like a, it seems like kind of an odd disconnect and you have like various magical characters all over the Marvel universe. And, and you're just kind of like, well, how do you still have your powers? Like, you know, that's interesting. <laughs> I enjoyed this for the most part. Like, I think I enjoyed the second arc more than the first, but like, you know, as far as Dr. Strange goes, like, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be like super interested in him, but like, there was nothing like super wrong with this to me. But Mike, now he has arrows. <laughs> yeah. Well, you forgot what he said. He's like, I, good thing I took all those archery classes, like with Hawkeye. Then he was like, also, I failed all of them. Like, <laughs> All right, well, that, that will wrap up our discussion on the post-2015 Secret Wars Doctor Strange series. So we, we hope you've kind of gotten a good overview on our thoughts of this series. I, I You know, I think I think all of us would at least say give it a shot, you know, check it out, you know, uh, to, to varying degrees of enthusiasm, you know, but, but I, think, I think the enthusiasm is there. So I, I think that's... Uh, you know, a pretty decent endorsement for that that series. And then when we come back in the other half, like we mentioned, we're going to be going into some good classic-y goodness, I think. At least for me, I, I think, by this point. Maybe maybe at the time it wasn't classic, because I was alive when it came out and all that stuff. But I think by this point, this is a pretty classic Marvel graphic novel. And we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom, Triumph and Torment. So stay tuned. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Hey guys, welcome back. 
so as promised, we are going to be discussing Marvel Graphic Novel, and I think technically this is Marvel Graphic Novel number 49, but we are going to be discussing Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom, Triumph and Torment. This is a graphic novel written by Roger Stern and has the pencils by Mike Mignola. And this was released, as I think I mentioned before, in 1989. You know, w what's interesting about this for me is I think I, I owned a copy of this. I did not own a hardcover copy, but I did specifically have the softcover copy. So, you know, pulling back the veil, the softcover copy cover is what I'm sticking on the title card. Because that's the that that's what I think of when I think of this story is the soft cover, and because that's what I had owned for a really long time and everything like that. So I, I don't think I actually had this when it came out, you know, in 1989. But interestingly enough, I think when I was rediscovering Doctor Strange, as we talked about in the the opening segment of this, you know, sort of kind of dipping my toe in it and kind of you know, reading, like, the, the Marvel Masterworks with Steve Ditko with those, like, purple covers and everything and stuff like that, you know, I, one of the things I did check out was this graphic novel. And I think it was because I, it was recognizable. Like, it, it's it's that weird notion of, like, familiar nostalgia, even though you've never read it, but you remember all the ads and you like remember it being in the store. Like, does that make any sense? Like, like, cause I, I, I do feel like that, that, that this is nostalgic for me and I remember it coming out, but I'm pretty sure I did not read it when it came out. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But I, I don't relate to it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll read the, the brief, Amazon write-up so people kind of have a vague idea of, of what's going on in this story. Every year on Midsummer's Eve, Victor Von Doom clashes with the forces of evil in a vain attempt to free his mother's soul from hell. Only when Dr. Stephen Strange, master of the mystic arts and Earth's Sorcerer Supreme, is convinced to join the fight does the outcome have any hope of changing. But first, these unlikely allies must journey to Mephisto's infernal realm, where they find the cost of one soul may be more than they are willing to pay. So yeah, that's that's the quick blurb. That I, I think it summarizes. I mean, basically, this is this is the first time Strange and Doom have ever teamed up. It was kind of teased in some John Byrne Fantastic Four comic books, but it didn't actually officially happen. I, I think those comic books probably came out in like 85, 86 during Byrne's run where he kind of has like this thought to himself about, you know, one of these days I should go like become an apprentice of Doctor Strange, but bah, Doom would not humble himself to be an apprentice. Like I've got better things to do, like, kill the Fantastic Four, you know, or whatever, you know, like, there was some, like, random thought bubble about, you know, how, how he would want to improve on his, you know, his magic skills and stuff like that, but, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously, like, a couple of years later, this became realized in the form of this graphic novel, and, you know, I mean, just speaking for myself, I mean, I've always been a fan of Mike Mignola, 
I, I think this is, you know, this and Cosmic Odyssey are some of the big things I point to as reasons for that, you know, like the stories that I've really enjoyed and liked and everything. I, I, I think, you know, like, I guess as I was alluding to before, I think this is a pretty good classic story. It's got great art. It's got a good story. And I, I think at the time, teaming up Doctor Strange with Doctor Doom was kind of like a novel concept. You know, it wasn't wasn't anything that had been done before. And it was kind of like a little outside of the box. And, and you know, the, the, the in-story reasons for it are pretty fabulous. You know, like Doom needs his help, you know, to travel to Mephisto's realm because he's been doing it, you know, basically annually, you know, and then failing every single time, you know. So, you know, he thinks this time with the help of Strange, he can actually accomplish what he, he, his goal, which is to, you know, free his mother's soul from the clutches of Mephisto. And I mean, even if you think he's a bad guy, I mean, I don't know that there's anybody who can't relate to, you know, wanting to help your mother. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I hope so anyway, but I, I think that that would apply to the great majority of, of readers out there. So I, I think anybody can kind of get behind that notion. But what, what, I think I think if I recall correctly, I'm trying to remember. But was it you, Justin, who suggested we cover this? Yes, it was. So so why don't you tell us like what what your thoughts were, or at least you know what you you know kind of like why this was something that you suggested. Well, this is something that I read. Like I I, I think I bought this like at a flea market, like in the early '90s at some point. And I was like, oh, cool, like, Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange team up and they fight Mephisto. I was like, well, I, well, I have to read this. Like, this is going to be awesome. And it was. And the reason I picked it is I think this is, like, a really good, I guess, like, introduction. Like, if you don't really know anything about Doctor Strange, like, this like this gives you, like, not only his origin, but it also, like, gives you the origin of Doctor Doom. Like, if, you know, if, if for whatever reason you have no idea who Doctor Doom is, it gives you his origin. And like I said, I think it's a good introduction for both of those characters. And not only that, like it's it's a really great story. Like at first, you have this this gathering of like different like mystical magic users who kind of they have to like solve this problem. And you know, whoever like wins is giving the title Sorcerer Supreme. And then the other half of the book is by winning the title of Sorcerer Supreme. Doctor Strange has to grant a boon to the person who came in second place, which is Doctor Doom. And so the second half of the book sees him journeying into you know the depths of hell to retrieve the soul of Doctor Doom's mom, which I always thought was like really interesting because I remember reading a lot of those John Byrne issues of Fantastic Four, and you know he really kind of you know he not only got into the origins of the Fantastic Four, showing you you know, some of the events that happened to them before they went into space, like you also got a lot of backstory with Doctor Doom. And I was always kind of fascinated by Doctor Doom. I think, you know, like if if you're a comics fan and you read the Fantastic Four, you're I think you you you're kind of like fascinated by him because, you know, he's he's portrayed sometimes as this, you know, kind of nasty like arch nemesis of the Fantastic Four. But you see this other side where he is a this this may sound weird, but he he is a benevolent dictator of his country. Like you see, you see this many times. That like he rules this country, but like everyone there like genuinely loves him. Like you see the scene where 
you know, like they're they're Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom are like riding in a car, and this little girl comes up to the car with flowers, and like you can see like Doctor Strange is like apprehensive. He's like, oh no, like I guess, I guess he thinks like Doctor Doom was just gonna like blast this girl, but you know it's like he's like, oh like you know thank you for these flowers. And, like, <laughs> Doom prefers posies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's just a really great story, and you know, to, to kind of like touch back on something I mentioned in the first half of the podcast, I think this is a great representation of what Doom is. You know, like I said, I think I think a lot of people have this incorrect notion of Doom. It's like, oh, Doctor Doom's like a real badass, and he's a killer, and he's a psychopath, and he's like, he's all these things. It's like whatever, you know. Whatever bad thing you think of, like it's Doctor Doom. Well, no, like that's totally not the case. It's kind of like, it's kind of like if you talk to someone and they're just like, oh yeah, like remember the old He-Man cartoon? Like Skeletor was totally a badass and he beat up all these people and he killed all these people. And I'm just like, no, you must be thinking of like some other cartoon because Skeletor was uh, totally inept. But like this, what? This... <laughs> what are you talking about? I was brilliant. <laughs> but like th- this is a good like you know character uh display for dr doom because we see that like he the only thing he wants is he wants the release of his mother's soul and he you know he he is prideful and he doesn't really want dr strange's help but he also recognizes that he is not a great magician himself like dr doom you know he uses magic and technology but he's more of a technology person so he kind of recognizes okay dr strange is a better magician so i would utilize him and i think if the story were written today like you would totally see dr doom screw over dr strange and leave him stranded in hell with mephisto and we don't see that because this is like the, you know, this is, to me, this is like the true representation of Doom where he, he kind of like acts from a, a a point of honor where, you know, it's like you see this moment in the in the graphic novel where it appears Dr. Doom has betrayed Strange and has him brought before Mephisto. But, you know, it's like, ha, oh, fooled you. Like, Dr. Doom slipped Dr. Strange this, like, you know, piece of technology that allows him to break free. And, you know, t- together they uh, managed to, you know, overwhelm Mephisto and also release his mother's soul. Yeah, I mean, I think even in, in the the early, like, problem-solving battle that they have or the, the, the summons that they, they observe from Lord Genghis, you know, like where, you know, you've got all these magicians there and there's this one guy, I think his name was Khalil or something, and he's kind of like... What? You know, Doom is not even magician, you know? He, he has technology with suit, and I do not feel comfortable with this, you know? And, and, and Doom's just like, all right, look, I my gauntlets control all this shit. I've turned it off. Like, here, they're they're on the fucking ground. Is this cool? Like, are you fucking cool with this now? Oh, okay, all right, that is fine with Khalil, you know? like, And it's just like, all right, then shut the fuck up, Khalil. You know, like, but it's like that notion of, all right, well, you know... You know, basically, Doom is like you said. He's got a sense of honor. It's like if this this ruffles your feathers, if if, if you you know you're worried I'm going to, you know, employ some treachery on you using 
you know, a, a gauntlet blast instead of a magic blast, like, fine, like, I'll, I will just magic you, you know, <laughs> like, I will magic you in the face, you know, but, like, I'll, I'll turn off my, my tech and stuff like that, you know, so, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I concur that this is, this is probably a snapshot of, of what, you know, most uh, well-read fans would consider a, a perfect vision of Doctor Doom as a character. You know, somebody who is dangerous, who is a force to be reckoned with, but also is someone who, you know, he, he's got his own kind of code and sense of honor and everything. Like, one of the, one of the most brilliant scenes, I think, in this is, you know, after he sort of, quote-unquote, wins the boon... You know, and, and yeah, Strange is on his guard the whole time, you know, with the little girl and the flowers and, you know, you know, even training him, you know, like he doesn't want to turn his back on Doom and he wonders how he's going to apply what he learns from Strange on like in, in the future. Like what if he uses this to kill like one of the Fantastic Four or something like that, you know, so like there's definitely things like that that are going through Strange's mind as he forms this alliance with Doom. But I, I love the moment where he basically, Strange is just like, dude, like, why, why didn't you just ask me for help? And Doom's like, Doom does not beg. You know, like, I, you know, like, I won this from you, like, I've earned this, like, but I, I wasn't going to go begging to you, you know, like, I, I you know, that, that's just not something that I'm going to do, you know, like, I think that that moment sums him up perfectly as well, you know, like, it, it, it's that notion of like, that he he sort of, he became a dictator and became, you know, as you're talking, like this benevolent dictator, but it's, it, he's a, he's a self-created dictator too. Like, it's not like, like, it, like he's self-created royalty, you know, like that, yeah. that's something that's kind of awesome where it's like, you, you think like, oh, you know, most, most people, they didn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and become royalty. Most people were just born into it. It's like, you know, the, the, you know, Novo Riche or, or whatever you want to call them, you know, like that, that kind of notion of you're, you're born into this wealth, you're born into this position, you know, you didn't necessarily earn it, it's part of your bloodline and all that kind of stuff. But with Doom, it's just basically like he was a gypsy and he basically kicked the guy out of the country and ruled it himself and made it so that everybody who was hungry and needy and, and, and all this kind of stuff, he basically, you know, basically got the country up and running to his standards of perfection so that no one went hungry and, you know, no one was needy, you know, and that's why the little girl with the flowers is, is legitimate, even though Strange is suspicious of it, you know, it's like, yeah, but, you know, he, you know, he was, you know, basically taking care of his people, you know, so it's like that, that's, I, I think that's part of a lot of the reason why when, when you had people come in and be like, well, mister, we're going to save everybody from you. And it's like, well, they don't really want to be saved, you know, like they're fine. They're cool. Like they, this is how they live. This is, this is how, you know, they, they, you know, they've been taken care of, you know? So I, I mean, I, I do think it's a, a pretty excellent snapshot of, of doom in his element, you know, and, and, that that's part of what makes the story appealing. But but like you said, too, I mean, it, it, it is a balanced story, too, because you get Strange's origin in flashback when Mephisto's trying to tempt him. So if somebody was unfamiliar with Doctor Strange's origin, you know, kind of as this 
kind of self-absorbed doctor who was only concerned with himself. You know, like you, you, you kind of get that from, from the origin there, you know, they go into it and it's almost like he's reliving all his, his past foibles and everything. And that's the way that Mephisto tries to corrupt him. And then, you know, conversely in the, you know, the Dr. Doom origin sequence, where again, you know, we, we've talked about it quite a bit on this show in the first half and the second half, but the, the notion that, you know, Dr. Doom went to these monks and had the armor built, and, and even then, Roger Stern was kind of, you know, basically championing his boy, John Byrne's version of, of events, you know, how they tried to incorporate the little scar with the 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 massively messed up face, you know, like type thing, you know, where again in this origin he's got the the little scar, you know, on his face, and then he goes and visits the monks, and that's when his face really gets disfigured, is when they put on the, you know, the scalding hot mask and all that kind of stuff. So you you basically see that that aspect, you know, I mean, I mean, there is a sense to Doom that you know he is he is very arrogant kind of like Stephen Strange was you know in a way I mean you know as brilliant as Doom is as awesome as he is you know there there's certain things where he can't see past his own nose too you know like it's like you know that that's one of those things I love about even in the old cartoons you know where he's like I don't need your stupid school anyhow you know like I, I love that kind of <laughs> aspect to him because I think you know I don't know maybe maybe it's uh uh you know some kind of uh you know, personification or something or whatever. But, you know, like, I, I you know, some sometimes I, I think it's almost human and normal not to see your own flaws. Do you know what I mean? Like, to be blind. I mean, other people can see your flaws easier than you can see your own flaws. So, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be all deep and, and, and meta and heavy that, oh, look, you know, Doom's so blind, he can't see the, the, you know, the forest for the trees. And it's like, but if you are the fucking forest, like, you know, like, like it's kind of... I don't know. To me, it seems like if you are the forest, it's kind of normal. You know, like, like why would you... Why, you know, why would you see the forest for the trees if you were the forest? You know, like, like it must be, it's easy when you're in a fucking helicopter or you're a human being and you're, you know, running around, like, you know, checking out the, the national parks or whatever. But when you are the forest, then it's a, it's a little more difficult to realize you've got these kind of foibles and, and flaws and everything, you know. And, 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 yeah, you know, Doom's hubris, you know, created the accident, you know, that that hurt him, not Reed Richards. Do you know what I mean? So there's always going to be those blinders where it's like, curse you, Richards. And it's like, dude, you know, it's like, you know, Mike should do his 24, where it's like, you know, uh, you didn't do anything. You know? I don't think, uh, I didn't, I didn't do any of the calculations. I just told you where they were wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think this, I think this machine that summons like a portal to hell might be a bad idea. <laughs> I, I was glad you suggested this, Justin, because like I, I'm no, this is a pretty like famous like you know graphic novel, and it comes up like on the lists of like when people do like you know their top ten favorite Doctor Strange stories or their even their top ten favorite Doctor Doom stories. So like I, I'd known about it, I'd never read it up until now, and like I really liked it. Like Mike Mignola's art was like great. I love Roger Stern's writing, and like like Derek said, like I really like that Doom moment. And just, yeah, like, everything about it was very enjoyable. 
are trespassing on Latverian soil. Leave. Now. Alright, so that pretty much wraps up our discussion on Doctor Strange in this movie tie-in episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our discussions on the post-2015 Secret Wars Doctor Strange series and the Marvel graphic novel Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom Triumph and Torment. Before we sign off, though, we thought you guys, the listeners, might be interested to know uh, Mike took it upon himself to actually follow up on some of stuff that he mentioned in one of our previous podcasts regarding the What If issue that we covered that was written by Kurt Busick. And there was that moment where we all kind of wondered, who was that shadowy figure supposed to be? So why don't you tell us what happened with that, Mike? I emailed him, like I went to his website and emailed him, and he got back to me. I'll read the email. He said, Michael, I'll have to get around to doing another email blog, but in the meantime, I don't remember who that was supposed to be. The Spider-Man office told us what we could show based on what secrets they needed to keep. And then I think they changed their minds and rendered that scene impossible. So it goes sometimes, Kurt. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, Mr. Busick, for your succinct, like, you know, expl- explanation. And, uh, you know, we appreciate that, basically. Like, and I think I think we were la- having a good laugh about it, basically. Yeah, it, no, it's cool. Like Justin yeah. said, it's, it's very cool that he, he responded. I mean, I know I, I've had some correspondence with with creators where they they respond to you on social media or email and stuff. And I've I've had some experiences where I send something out into the ether and and you just never hear anything. So it, it's nice that he, well, he responded. At least he was completely honest with me. He gave me a very clear and brief answer, and he didn't get subject me to a tirade about the evils of continuity like Matt Fraction did. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, thanks, Kurt. All right, yeah, thank you, Mr. Busick. The dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You're changing. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. For soon, the mole man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And now. Mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Doom. The Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You earthlings can't change the way I can. At least I'm the most powerful person on Earth. I've been expecting you. For I am the thinker. I vow never to return, my lord. Until the Fantastic Four are no more, and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ralatots, King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. Fool, you're just a muscular freak, blind or hulk. Stop! You must not enter the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This planet shall sustain him to the drain of all elemental life. 
Fantastic Four from the very beginning witness the origins of a legend. The Fantastic Cast, ffcast.libsyn.com. All right, so again, that, that kind of wraps up this episode. And you, of course, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, and or feedback, you can leave that feedback at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We're on all kinds of social media, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. We appreciate all the likes and feedback, Twitter, retweets, all that good stuff. We are streamable on Stitcher Radio. We are on iTunes. Of course, iTunes reviews really help get the show discovered. So if you leave one of those, we would, of course, appreciate it. And, of course, we have all kinds of other shows for you to check out. If you've liked listening to Fan Holes, comic books, motherfucker, do you read them? We hope you check out all our other spinoff shows, such as Fan Holes, Transformers Tuesdays, Fanals Mobile Suit Mondays, Sentai Saturdays, Toku Thursdays, and of course, the Fanholes podcast proper. But until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, by the hairy hosts of Hagoth, my powers to signing off. This is Mike. I hate magic. That magic is hot. <laughs> yes, she, she's she. Yeah, she's not the 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 the, the character is, is okay, but magic itself is yeah yeah yeah. This is Justin, and you are killing me.
You'll have to make me read a Doctor Strange Hellcat team up, Justin. Torture <laughs> me. You should have him read that one where Hellcat goes on a date with Gambit. That was good. I like that. <laughs> what we're talking about and then before we go we thought you'd like to know that Kurt Busiek said yes I don't know <laughs> I thought it was cool that he responded but the answer is kind of like no one knows who knows it's just okay like, yeah I found it <laughs> all right I totally forgot, like, I was going to mention, you know, the thing you said at the end, Derek, about the uh, hoary host of Hogoth or whatever? Like, uh-huh. whenever, when I was a kid, I didn't know what hoary meant, so I just said Harry. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, kind of like, you know, kind of like the hobo goblin. I was like, by well, the hairy host of Hogoth. <laughs> <laughs> you hairy hosts. You. By Vijanti's mirror. Yay. Hey, what's up, dude? Uh, not much. Did you read anything else this week, Justin? Nothing that really stood out, I don't think. Yeah, nothing much does anymore, I feel like. It's like I read I read Mighty Thor, but there was still like more of that like, you know, like, oh we're we're shield and we're jerks and we're gonna arrest you like stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that seems like all they do now. Maria Hill might as well be a bad guy now. Mm, yeah. Well, she hit she hit like that Henry Gyrick part where it's <laughs> like they she can't be like they tried to make her nice and it lasted for a little while and then they're like no she only works if she's a jerk so now she's <laughs> just a jerk to everyone. <clears throat> oh, I I did like um. New Wolverine, even though it's like, I don't know, it's like one of those, like, you know, ah, oh, Legasque, like, shocking endings where, like, uh, Old Man Logan, like, supposedly kills one of those, like, X-23, like, clone sisters or something. Oh. Yeah. But, like, it, it was actually a pretty good issue, like, aside from the ending where I was like, well, okay. What is she trying to like raise those clones or protect them or? Yeah, she she started out. She found like four or five of these clones, and like I think there's only like one of them left now because they've all like died off through like different adventures that they've had. And so like uh, I think like Cap and I, I guess it was Shield. You know, Cap and Shield show up and they're like, uh, you know, this inhuman totally says uh, old man Logan's gonna kill this girl, and so like. They get into this big fight, like everybody's fighting Cap and Wolverine and, you know, Old Man Logan and whatnot. Is that like a secret or a Civil War II tie-in with that? Yeah. Number? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, like Laura and Damian Wayne need to compare notes about keeping, <laughs> like, clones of themselves around. Mm. Man, I... Yeah, I was just thinking, I tried to read that new Harley Quinn series from Rebirth, and I, <laughs> basically, by the second issue, I was labyrinth reading it, as Justin likes to say. <laughs> but, like, the, you know how they say, like, oh, if Marvel and DC would get together and just do a Deadpool Harley team-up, it would make, like, mad oodles of cash? But, like, you know what's funny is, the first two issues of 
Harley Quinn? It might as well be a Harley Quinn and Deadpool team-up episode, because there's this guy called... I, I want to say his name is, like, Dead Tool or Dead some, <laughs> something Tool or whatever. Like, I mean, he he's Deadpool. I mean, he's <laughs> fucking Deadpool. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, they're, they're, they're writing a Deadpool Harley Quinn team-up right now, only he's just a pastiche of Deadpool. But, yeah. Dead Cool? Yeah, so, something like that. I can't remember because I labyrinth read it. I don't know what his fucking name is, but, you know, he's 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 definitely Deadpool. One of my favorite Deadpool gags, I forgot where, it was some issue where he was, like, trying to, like, like uh, pimp himself out to, like, prospective, like, people to hire him for mercenary jobs, and he's like, you know, remember, that's Deadpool, not Deadpool with a P, because if you spell it with a C, then that's dead, then it's dead cool. And then, like, one of the guys is like, what if I spell it with an F? And he's like, Fedpool? That doesn't make any sense. 